Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Our reading for today from the epistle of the first Corinthians asks us a question, which is, what does it take to be a professional athlete? Which is an appropriate question to ask today on Super Bowl Sunday. Of course, we can say that to be a professional athlete, one must have inherited immense physical gifts that come only from winning some sort of genetic lottery. And that is partially correct. You do need good genetics in order to be a good athlete, but it isn't the whole truth. Part of the wonder that accompanies sports is the chance that the underdog might overcome all the odds, that that David might beat Goliath and somehow win the victory. As we've seen the past few weeks with the Cincinnati Bengals and their playoff run. But go Bengals, by the way. So it's, not, so it's not just winning the genetic lottery that makes one a successful athlete. It also takes a lot of dedication, a lot of time, a lot of effort. Think about Tom Brady, who, whether you like him or not, is most likely the greatest NFL quarterback to ever play the game. And he just retired having played his final season at the age of 44, which is pretty much ancient. Just kidding. Just kidding. I was doing a little reading about him this week, and he has a daily schedule that begins at 5.30 in the morning during the off-season and involves somewhere around six hours in the gym. This is accompanied by a strict plant-based diet that avoids alcohol, gluten, dairy, soy, sugar, and overly processed foods. The time, energy, and care that he puts into his craft is the reason why he's one of the greatest quarterbacks to play the game. Today in our epistle reading from 1 Corinthians, St. Paul asks us to consider the life and dedication of athletes so that we can better understand what's required for us as Christians. As he will show us, Christian living is very much like being an athlete and that our goal must be reached through rigorous training and self-mastery. Paul uses two sports-related metaphors in our reading this morning. The first is running a race, and the second is boxing, both events that the Corinthians would have been familiar with because of the Isthmus Games, which took place locally. They were some of the major athletic events in the Greco-Roman world alongside the Olympics. Now, we have a number of ancient philosophical writings that use these kind of games as metaphors, The Stoics, for example, employed athletic imagery to depict the human struggle to attain truth and virtue. Paul, who had been a well-educated man, and in Acts 17 even went and engaged the philosophers who were Stoics in Athens, he would have most likely been aware of these metaphors, and he seems to be baptizing them by appropriating the image of the athlete to depict the task of preaching the gospel and the pursuit of holiness. Now, Paul doesn't leave this metaphor of the runner or the boxer as some sort of abstraction. He enfleshes it by providing himself as an example. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. As we saw during our sermon series called Living Sacrifices During Epiphany Tide, the stories that we tell ourselves matter and form our perception of reality. And with that perception, we often choose how we will engage in action. 
And this, I would posit, is why it's so important for us to celebrate feast days of saints and commemorate their lives with the Christian calendar, because these days are important for our theological and moral imaginations to see the gospel enfleshed in the lives of others, for faithful Christians to set examples for us as they follow our Lord's footsteps. So St. Paul is a great example of someone we should follow because of how closely he followed our Lord. And so he holds himself up as an example for both the Corinthians and us, not as an act of prideful self-glorification, but as a didactic tool, a standard for us to aspire to. In chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians, he tells them, be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. So how are we to follow his example? Well, he gives us a twofold action with both negative and positive movements. The negative is in Paul saying that he doesn't run with uncertainty or as one who boxes the air. He's not a spiritual child who's blown and tossed by the wind, something he warns against in Ephesians chapter 4. He doesn't meander or squander the great gifts of grace that he received at his conversion and, at, and through his apostleship. Rather, we should understand Paul as a man who had his sights set on the prize, which for Christians is not some perishable wreath like what they gave out in the ancient games. It's not an expensive medal like what we give out at our modern Olympic games. And it's not an ornate and prestigious trophy but rather a heavenly and eternal reward. Which leads us then to the positive movement. I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be cast away. Paul's training was not necessarily an athletic one here, so much as the subjugation of the body to his greater goal, a training to avoid the lusts of the flesh so that he would be free to pursue what is good, not only to attain a heavenly prize, but also to avoid disqualification because he recognizes that ministers are held to a higher standard and that were he not to control his passions and his flesh, that he could undermine all of the hard work that he put in to spreading the gospel. Now, athletes have a goal, winning the Super Bowl, winning the World Series, winning the Stanley Cup, getting the gold medal. And for that ultimate win, they're willing to endure all sorts of things in the present, waking up at ungodly hours, eating all sorts of horrible food, putting in all kinds of exercise. This is the kind of long view that we as Christians should embrace as well. Because for that ultimate win, they're willing to endure all sorts of things. So we also need to be able to endure all sorts of things. We navigate the mountains and valleys, the ups and downs of life with that imperishable crown in view. We put up with criticism and scorn and insults from others so that at the end of our lives, we can hear those sweet, that sweet divine voice tell us, well done, my good and faithful servant. The Christian view is that every moment in our lives is spiritual. Every situation is imbued with opportunity for us to grow nearer to our God. The fact that we, week after week, confess that we believe our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will come again to judge the living and the dead is not an excuse 
to twiddle our thumbs, sit on our hands, and waste time. Quite the opposite. It's our motivation to run the race with even more vigor than we have before. Now, sadly, this week, as a community, we experienced some heavy losses, two, two really major losses, and, and people who I would characterize as saints in Luis Blount and Jean Lopez. And I would submit that like the Apostle Paul, both of them are examples for us because they didn't just wake up one day and magically become who they were. It took a lot of work, a lot of discipline, a lot of prayer, and a lot of faith on their parts. But by God's grace, they were two beautiful witnesses to the real power of the gospel. And so today, we begin a journey of sorts as we open up the season of pre-Lent. It's common during this time of year for us to make our confessions, which you can always do, by the way, and a time to prepare for the great 40-day fast of Lent. This pre-Lent season becomes an opportunity for us to be in prayer about how God would have us grow, both as individuals and as a community. And we'll talk about that growth in coming weeks through our lectionary and at our Lenten retreat on February 26th. But with that in mind, I think that leaving today, we need to remember two very important and interrelated truths. The first is that we're all running a race. Maybe you don't realize it, but you are. We're running a race, and that race has an end point, which is our ultimate sanctification. Sanctification is that process whereby we're made holy, and it leads us to an ultimate glorification, a moment where we will be able to see our Creator face to face. And because of that, we should take to heart a second truth, namely that we must attend to the present moment as we train ourselves so that we will not be found wanting. And we can hear that beautiful voice say, well done, my good and faithful servant, when we reach the end of our race. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, amen.